Welcome to episode 38 of the Creative Strings podcast. Listen to the full episode today to hear the inspiring story of a classical musician who's gone on to create an extraordinary career. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Strings podcast. I'm Christian Howes, violinist, educator, and music business entrepreneur. I hope these interviews will inspire you to be creative in your life, in your art, in your business, in every way. So without further ado, let's get to it. Andrea Witt was trained as a classical violist in Columbus, Ohio, and she's developed the skills to learn other instruments, tour the world with various stars in rock, country, and other styles, all while growing her own lifestyle brand as a fashionista, model, and fine artist. You'll get to hear some of her new original music, as well as take away some lessons that you can bring into your own musical development and career development. Before we jump into this interview with Andrea Witt, a quick reminder that we have registration open for several of our worldwide Creative Strings workshops. These are amazing opportunities, whether you're in Asia, Australia, Europe, United States, or Canada in 2020 to come meet with me and other creative string players from around the world and have a fabulous professional development experience. So if you haven't yet, reach out to me or go over to the website and save your spot. Simply go to christianhouse.com forward slash education to get more info. Creative Strings is a nonprofit organization with a mission to support music education through curriculum, through conferences, and through outreach in schools. And we are so grateful for our sponsors. Electric Violin Shop has been sponsoring the Creative Strings podcast from the very beginning. And I'm going to say it again, the same thing I tell everybody. Whenever you ask about gear, electric instruments, and anything related to amplification effects and accessories, call Electric Violin Shop. The reason I say call them during business hours is because there's no one who's so helpful. <laughs> they know the answers to all the questions. They'll spend time with you on the phone. They'll answer all your questions. There's no pressure. There's no obligation. Just call them. If you have a question about a pickup, a pedal, an amplifier, an electric violin, cello, viola, whatever it might be, call Electric Violin Shop. Their phone number is on their website, Electric Violin Shop. Dot com. If you add a forward slash creative strings, um, you'll let them know that I sent you. Electricviolinshop.com forward slash creative strings. Creative Strings also wants to thank Yamaha for their support. No manufacturer is as supportive of music education as Yamaha, period. Yamaha's supporting of this podcast is just a little tiny fraction of all the support they give to so many teachers, schools, organizations, and artists like me. Whether you play strings or whether you teach strings or whether you're involved in band or any facet of the music industry or the music education field, um, a couple things you can check out from Yamaha in addition to their great string instruments, whether acoustic and electric, is check out Support Ed. If you just Google Yamaha Support Ed, you can find their free 
quarterly magazine. Also, if you're on Facebook and if you're a music educator, look for their Facebook group. It's called Yamaha Music Educator Community. And now let's jump into the interview with Andrea Witt. Live in different lands, both deep in love with the same strange man. One sang like silver, one played like gold, but he met one first and he was hers to hold. Crushed velvet dreams in a California king bed. I was by his side soon as my sister left. And he left me sweet and he left me high. And now my colors are swimming in black and white. Right now you've got your artwork line, perfume, fashion line, and you're writing music, you're touring. You're playing viola, also pedal steel, Mm -hmm. fiddle. But when you were in Ohio, you grew Mm -hmm. up in Ohio, not -hmm. too far from me, near Columbus, Ohio. And uh, uh, I mean, as far as I understand, you had a like a very I don't want to say typical but like a traditional classical viola background. Yes. Is that true? Yes, definitely. How old were you when you started playing viola? I started when I was nine. I started in public school in the Upper Arlington School District. If any of you are in Ohio and kind of know Central Ohio, um, I started taking lessons when I was ten. Private lessons. Okay, so, and that's sort of like it's that's like later typical. than some people. It is right? a lot later. I mean, yeah, I mean, some kids start like three. Exactly. Or, you know, like, I think most of my colleagues started when they were like between four and six. Yeah. Um, so nine is a little later. Um, and, you know, I just, I stuck with it. Like I, you know, went to Interlochen Arts Camp every summer in high school. Um, I played in all the youth orchestras. Um, you know, I just practiced. Like I, I practiced because I enjoyed it. Like my parents never pushed me to practice. It was like, oh, you have a lesson this week. You should probably be prepared for it. Okay, cool. Well, before you went to college though, did you... Was it, was, were you pretty much just like, I want to play classical viola. I want to be in an orchestra. I want to be a string quartet. Was that like yeah, the thing I wanted or did to you be, want to do other stuff? Yeah. I, well, I didn't really know like that there were other things to do. Yeah. That's the thing. It was like you, you know, I went to Interlochen Arts Camp and I would play in the orchestras there. And I know I was like, well, I want to double major in art and music. So that was the whole thing. I wanted to go to a place where I could do art just as much as I was doing my music and, um, you know, the only thing that was kind of like in front of me was like, okay, well, if you want to be a music major, you're going to play in an orchestra. And so that, that's all I really knew. And I, all my friends, like I had a lot of friends in the jazz band and stuff at Interlochen. And, um, I was like, well, that's really cool. But like, I don't know how to do any of that. So like, I'm definitely just playing in an orchestra, which is cool. That's fine with me. Um, but yeah, as I got more into college, I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot. I'd never actually listened to classical music a lot on my own. I would always be listening to like pop music and rock music. Um, and the only time I would actually listen to classical music if I was like learning a piece. 
Um, it wasn't something I'd sit down and be like, oh, I like, really want to listen to this Tchaikovsky symphony. It was like, that was just not my wheelhouse. Um, so yeah, it was classical from the beginning. And then when you were in college though, did you start to dabble or just like dip a toe into other things? Yes, definitely. Um, I remember like the first time I was kind of introduced to like string improvisation was, it was my freshman year in college and these two violists, I was at Ohio state for a couple of years before I transferred to Cincinnati to the conservatory. And, um, they were just like having a blast outside improvising in like, like the style of bar talk or something, mm. but it was just so much fun to see these two violists just like completely just like dicking around and just like having fun and you're like, holy crap, that like, it just looks like a blast. And so they're like, oh yeah, we like took this jazz improv class and like, we, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of into it. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, that seems like fun. Mm -hmm. So I took my first jazz improv class freshman year in college. Um, it, it didn't like really yield that much. I don't think I learned like any improvising. I mm -hmm. learned like the heads of some jazz standards, but not like any concrete forms of like, this is how you play over this chord. Like I still had like no concept of it, but it was just like a very, you know, basic intro. And then when I transferred to Cincinnati, that's when like, you know, I was in Brad Good's improv class right. and Brad Good is like an amazing trumpet mm -hmm. bass jazz guy. He's now teaching in Colorado. Yep. And then also studied with Phil, Phil Greg, um, and oh, he was yeah. in Woody Herman's big band. Oh yeah, pianist. Pianist. So I took private lessons from Phil Greg and wow. played in Brazilian jazz combo I didn't with know Phil. That. You That's know? amazing. Wow, it's it's Cincinnati Conservatory, so they let you. Yeah. Even though you were doing a classical viola mm -hmm. major, performance major, then they they let you take these other jazz classes. Yes. Yeah. That's great. So I, you know, and as a classical major, you're required to do like like a string quartet credit or like chamber music credit. And so I got the school to let me do jazz combo as my chamber music oh. credit. Cause I'm like, you know, screw this. Like I did chamber music for one quarter and like my chamber music buddies, they were just so flaky and we didn't get anything done. It was like the lamest class I'd ever taken. Like people would show up late, <laughs> like our recital blue, like, cause no one practiced. I don't know. It was just horrible experience. And I'm like, well, I'm doing like, chamber music but in jazz form and it's way more intense wow. i'm learning so much more and so i convinced the school <laughs> to let me do all my chamber music credits wow. as brazilian jazz combo or whatever jazz combo i was in that wow. quarter so that's interesting to me because I, when i think of like classical chamber music yeah. experiences that i've had whether it was like a piano trio or a string quartet uh -huh. they they are some of my most fun times are enjoyable to and i'm guessing maybe if you went to interlock and maybe you experienced that yeah there, i had you know. i did have some good stuff at interlock but it just yeah. depends i guess it really depends on who's in your group who sometimes. it is yeah and if, so if, if and if the kids like that you were with in college at that time in your quartet they weren't really that invested in it not then, at all but but also it you know i mean i feel like if we're playing like a brahms string quartet that yeah in some ways it might feel like okay, I know how to do this and we just have to put the work in. We know yeah. how to practice for intonation. We know how to practice for ensemble, how to like, yeah. not saying it's easy, but it's like, in some ways it feels comfortable to do that work. Cause it's like, right. but on the other hand, you were in a jazz combo. It was probably just like constantly challenging you. So challenging. Like, it's like, how oh do I God. do this? I don't know what I'm doing. Right? Oh my God. And I was playing <laughs> viola right. in a Brazilian jazz combo and all the charts are written in treble clef. Like I learned how to like, 
transpose treble clef down an octave and play it on viola, like t- to sight read it. Wow. Because we'd be thrown all these like crazy hard Brazilian charts that like <laughs> Phil actually went to Brazil to bring these charts back. Wow. And so, oh yeah, they were like so hardcore. So we'd bring back like bring in like 10 charts at once. And I, you know, I just like didn't want to feel like an asshole. So I'm like, I had to learn how to sight read <laughs> these crazy Brazilian charts. Wow. And I'm not sure I did the best job, but I like tried my hardest, you wow. know? Um, that's, that's, that's great to know. And then, I mean, I realized that also, I think around that time might've been one of the, you started coming to the Create Strings workshop. It did, yeah, right around that time. In the summer, yeah. so you came for a few years. Mm-hmm. And, but I think I'm just enjoy. I appreciate you talking about what you did during those college years because it's clear to me like, it's a lot of work. Like oh you put God, in like a lot so of like doing, work. it wasn't just doing one camp. It was like you were taking all these classes in college. And also you probably, I'm guessing we're like the only bowed string player. That I was, was the first string player in Cincinnati wow. to be involved in any way in the in jazz, jazz department. I mean, there's a lot of string players I think that took like 101 basic improv yeah. just to fulfill right. some sort of credit and make yeah. it interesting. But I took it to the next level. I did all like the full year of beginning improv, like the full year of advanced improv. Mm-hmm. Made sure I had lessons every quarter. Joined a you know a jazz ensemble every every quarter. And so, I mean, I would have preferred to have been a jazz major because it was so much more interesting to me, mm-hmm. and I felt much cooler like playing stuff that I was you know came from inside of me, even though I was still sucking at it. Like I just felt like it was. A more, you know, I, I was giving something to the mm. world more mm. than just regurgitating mm. Don Juan like every other day. Wow. your master's at, at ccm yeah i right stayed now? there for my master's and then what yeah. prompted you to want to go to la from there and what was your what was your thought about what you were going to do because uh, yeah i'm just curious i always had said just since i was young that i was going to live in los angeles that was just like in my ingrained in me like that's where i will be um and then someone put it in my head like well you know there's a lot of like studio work out there you don't have to play in like a big orchestra you can do like jingles and 
um, TV shows and movies. And I was like, wow, that sounds like way cooler than just like playing in a symphony. It's like, okay, well that's, that's the path. And so from that, I found a camp, the Henry Mancini Institute. Oh yeah. Um, so I went to the first year, actually, this is a good story. First year I got waitlisted first year I auditioned, it accepted 80 people, all expenses paid, like six weeks we stayed at UCLA and brought in mentors from who work in the scene, all the, you know, string players, horn players, anyone who plays in the studio scene or like just gigs out a lot and is successful here in Los Angeles. They brought them in as mentors. So the first year I was waitlisted and I wanted to go to that camp so bad. I literally called every other day to check my spot on the wait list. Wow. Every other day. And I didn't get in the first year. Um, I was so upset. I was like, do you not see how bad I want to do this? Like, I'm going to live in Los Angeles. Like, this is the camp I have to go to. So I auditioned the next year and I got accepted right away. And my um, viola mentor, Carol Mukugawa, and she's played like every Simpsons episode, you know, since the beginning of time, she said, you know, probably one of the reasons you got accepted right away this year is the fact that you called every other day. She's like, I knew that you called in every other day to check your spot on the wait list. She's like, they knew how bad you wanted it. Wow. And that's why you got it. That's amazing. Um, So, so, so the Messini Summer Institute, that was while you were still pursuing your graduate degree, though. Exactly. Yeah. But then that kind of like locked it in for you. Like, I want to go to LA. That's it. Yeah. And so when you first came out to LA, did you prepare for it in any way? No. <laughs> so what did you, what, how did you survive when you got to LA? I moved out here with like $2,500 that I like was, I was given for graduation. Like I should have made, uh, I should have saved a lot more money. And I was bartending in college. I was making a lot of money. I was spending all on clothing and trips. I, you know, it'd be like, you know, I had a girlfriend that, you know, had an expendable bank account. And I was like, you know, let's go to London over Martin Luther King weekend. She's like, fantastic. I hate my job anyway. I'm quitting. So, you know, I would do that shit in college. Like, that's not a normal college experience. But I was making so much money at the bar that I was like, let's go on. Let's go to Jamaica. Let's go to London. Who right. cares? And so I blew all my money on. You were, you were bartending to, to put yourself through college. Yeah. And make a lot yeah. of money bartending. Oh, yeah. I just, I made, and I would do all my homework at the bar. Wow. And then my TAs would come in, like music history TA would come in and be like, Ellis, like we're not going to have the test tomorrow, right? And like feed him 10 shots and be like, yeah, no test tomorrow. It's all good. <laughs> like, you know? Um, Did so, you learn anything from, from, from bar- bartending? Yeah, like oh my god, social skills beyond social. uh, Like what? Like just oh yeah, dealing with all sorts of people, Mm. be able being able to read people, dealing with people. You know, also multitasking. Like when it gets busy in a bar, like the way you have to multitask is like insane, and like picking priorities and like just dealing with all sorts of characters. You know, we'd have bar fights like. I'd have to call the cops sometimes. Like a couple times I hit the emergency button under the bar. Like thought someone was going to pull, pull out a gun. Like it was, I mean, there's just so many situations. So it kind of helped you grow up, kind of help you. Do you feel like when you came to LA then maybe that gave you a little. Yeah. A little bit more street smart for yeah, sure. And just able to navigate like so many people. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. But then when you first came to LA, so how did you survive? What did you do like, um, when you first got here? Like. Well, the first month I lived rent-free, which was very kind. A good friend of mine, Brittany, 
Cotto. She's an exceptional violinist here, and she's still one of my best friends. Um, we were in the Mancini Institute together, and she was kind of like starting out too. She had been in LA for a year, so we were both like hustling and got these teaching jobs where we, you know, did group violin class. Um, which is like, oh, I can't even like think about doing that again. It just like <laughs> hurts my head. Um, <laughs> you know, teaching like 30 viol- young violinists in the classroom, it's like classroom management more than anything. And so just doing that, doing a lot of like shitty gigs, a lot of um, driving down to Orange County for like $150. And, you know, it's like two and a half hour journey each way. And mm-hmm. um, just taking everything Um, And this is, like, before social media. I mean, there was Facebook, but, like, you know, it's, like, you just had to, like, make sure people knew you and calling people, playing for people. Like, you know, I played for a couple people to, you know. How did that work? So you call somebody and say, can I I take a lesson, basically? Yeah, so I did that. I feel like now I'm not sure if that's really relevant anymore. Really? I mean, I think for getting into college, yes. But, like, out here, it's kind of just, like, I feel it's more about the hang and like at, at this level, we're all good players and it's more like, you know, do people want to be around you? Like do they, you don't want to like, you know, make someone's work day shitty. Like you want to be like, if you're in a studio every 10, every hour, when you have that 10 minute break, you know, you want to be in a situation where people want to talk to you and like have fun and like chat over coffee. Like, if you came back to LA right now and you were mm-hmm. just getting here, what would you do differently? Like how, you know, given now that oh, social God. media, whatever it is, I mean, how would you get to know people? How would you get to know one person who's going to put you in touch with other people? Um, just go out to a bunch of shows, Really, go out to a lot of shows, like meet a lot of people at the shows. Um, you know, and what do you say to them? Yeah, just I can play. Well, you, so you wouldn't ask to, can I send you my reel? Can I send you work samples? Or? I don't know. I would just like, Ask to go out to coffee, like meet him at a show. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know, asking to send a reel or something. I, it's more just like becoming buddies with them on social media and they see what you're doing. They see what you're yeah. up to. Um, I mean, every once in a while, I feel like it's good, yeah, to send out your reel. But I feel like pushing, being too forward about that, I, it kind of turns me off. If but people, if, but, but if someone was was new out here, uh-huh. Like a young violist came to LA yeah. and, they, and they heard you on this podcast and they're yeah. like, I want to meet Andrea. Like, yes, yeah, send they, me an Instagram message. Okay. Send me a Facebook message. And what if they said, what if they said, Hey, can I play for you? Or can I take a lesson with you? Do you think that that would be, would you welcome that? Or Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like it's really important too, to, to, to make it easy for people to help you. So in other words, exactly. like sometimes I'll get somebody who will send me like a stranger I've never met before. And they'll send me like a, a message on social media and they'll say like, will you listen to my stuff or something like that? And then it'll be hard then for me to even find the stuff. Oh God. <laughs> They're like, like, why don't you Google this? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this, at the one minute and 37 seconds is my solo. No, yeah. Give put me it the, together, give me the exact link. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, right. you know, actually when I'm sending out <laughs> stuff, like on behalf of um, Katie and Andrea, um, you know, we're sending stuff out in many different ways. Like, Here's the private SoundCloud link. Here's the link if you want to listen to it on Spotify. Here's the Apple Music link. Here's the YouTube. Right. You pick. Yeah. 
all options. Because that's respectful. Yeah. It's saying like, I know you're busy. I want to make this as easy for you as possible. And they're all hyperlinked. Spotify, blue hyperlinked. (laughs) Like you can't get any more specific. Like, can (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And even just like, I mean, the same thing would be like, even if someone sends me like a five page email uh-huh. it's oh like, god i mean i mean that's it's okay like it's i want to hear people's stories like yeah, so, yeah. i mean if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you want to share something with me like i want to hear it but if like if someone's intention is just to to ask me for i don't know a favor or consideration of some kind mm-hmm. then it's like get to the point maybe try to maybe yeah just just be mindful of how can you make it easy for that person yeah you know? like d- try to try to be respectful of their time a lot of times people will ask me for advice about business stuff too and they'll mm-hmm. say hey can i get on the phone and ask you a question and i'm like i'm you know okay i do that for people but i've gotten in the habit now of asking people before we talk mm-hmm. can you send me your questions that's be- cool because a lot of times people that's will, a great idea they'll get on the phone and they'll just be like so <laughs> <laughs> and they haven't really thought through what their questions are actually. You know, oh, what you're I mean? forcing them to come up with a question. Like they just right. want to get on the phone with you and think that you're going to change their life. Like right. with a conversation. Yeah, but but it, so much of the work has to be done on there and actually articulating the questions that they have, right. the struggles that they have, whether it's career wise and also if it's music wise. Mm-hmm. Because and you, I know that I believe that you can really identify with this like if a classical musician comes to you and they're like mm-hmm. i just want to do all the improvisation stuff like all the things like tell me what do i need to do oh right oh my god and, you need to lock yourself in a room right. <laughs> and practice right. like and, and play with people like that's a lot of work if you're like right now okay yeah, cool yeah exactly and also it's like the, but there's so many like fine points of the of it too like mm-hmm. like a lot of times people think like it's just all the things like i just want to improvise and it's like well, no, let's really get into that. Like, what do you really want to mm-hmm. do? Do you want to arrange music? Do you want to bring it into the classroom? Do you want to play a certain style? Do you, yeah. And why do you think you want to do these things? Yeah. And when you start getting into that conversation with people, it becomes a long, 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 like there's a lot of questions. Yeah. Even like we were talking true. about like your business now, like a little uh-huh. bit, and talking about like my business and, mm-hmm. and it's like, you start to talk about it and it's like, you realize how far you can go in circles and rabbit holes. And, right. And just the process of, of refining, like, what are your goals? What are your, like, what are the things that are holding you back? Mm-hmm. And what is it that you're looking for right now? Like, how can I help you? And so now when I have those, and I, by the and I would really encourage anybody on this, this listening here to think about that, both in terms of your music, but in also in terms of your business. Because I think they're so, con- like, it's the same process. Mm-hmm. You have to articulate, like, what do I want? What am I struggling with? What are my goals? You know.
everybody. Did you know that instead of buying sheet music, that there's an app that lets you stream it like Netflix and Spotify? This is a really cool app that I found called Encoda. That's spelled N-K-O-D-A. So they've got you know, all the top publishers, tens of thousands of titles. So if there's sheet music that you want to check out for all kinds of situations, uh, download the app, Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. There's a free trial, so you've got nothing to lose. Check it out. And thanks to Encoda for sponsoring this episode of Creative Strings Podcast. Now let's get back to the interview. first came to LA you were taking everything oh, uh, you yeah. were taking teaching things you were also I think playing a lot of classical orchestra gigs and stuff like that yeah how did you get how did you get uh orchestra gigs when you came to LA? um a big part of that was the Mancini Institute that I, I went to the last year of it ran for 10 years I got very lucky um my viola mentor hooked me up she was subbing she was playing in the LA Master Chorale and they needed another violist and my first big gig, I had lived in LA for like a month and my first big gig I played at Disney Hall, which was like fantastic. Um, and you know, that's just all, it comes from, you know, just meeting people and Networking. word of mouth. Yeah. yeah that's it. Well, it's interesting that it's the professional development experiences that you mm -hmm. did, like the Mancini, yeah. and maybe Creative Strings in exactly. Columbus, you know, like you might meet somebody there and they're like, well, I know this person in LA and that yeah. kind of thing. And so then you build, you build off those, yep. that web of connections. Um, so how did you then go from, you know, basically freelancing, taking anything you could in LA? Mm -hmm. How did you go from that to landing the big gig like with Shania Twain, your mm -hmm. big tours with Zuccaro? Mm -hmm. How did you get those gigs? Uh, so the Shania Twain gig came from, um, I was playing with a group in Vegas and it's an all girls string quartet group, um, corporate events doing top 40 classic rock covers, um, as an electric string quartet with effects playing to tracks. Um, not, you know, it's, it's great for what it is, like the corporate events and like people love it. A lot of money. Um, there's there's a lot of money to be made and I was, you know, flying all over the country and that was, you know, while I was teaching, I was doing a lot of those gigs, like probably four of those gigs a month and, you know, flying to Boston or Denver, wherever, Seattle. Um, Can I ask about that? Yeah. So I'm just imagining though that even to do, to do those gigs, yeah. You like your jazz training kind of came in handy. Oh, like, for sure, yeah. And how how did that come in handy? And, and I'm guessing you were you were just kind of uniquely qualified for that because there's not a lot of classical. Not a lot, and I to think do that kind of gig. Right, and just from from the jazz training, it's like you learn um, stylistically how to play different than your classical training. So you you learn just how to feel the beat a different way. You learn like you know don't use as much vibrato all the time. Like you don't want to sound like super square. Like you learn how to swing, you know, and all the rock stuff, there's like a little bit of all, you know, 
any stuff you learn in jazz training, if you're playing a rock song, it's all like interconnected. So, you know, different parts of the bow that you play in, um, Mm -hmm. you're not going to use the full bow all the time. Like, you know, you just little intricacies that you learn from jazz playing that you can be applied to all different styles of music. Um, so because it sounds like, like just getting into jazz, maybe, I don't know if this is true or not, but Uh I feel what I hear from it is like that it, it made you think about the viola differently. It made you totally. think about being a musician differently. Yes. And then you could take those kind of those meta uh-huh. lessons and you could apply it to whether it was top 40 or yep. like if you totally. had to arrange something or improvise or come up with your own part. Yep. Thinking about, yeah, because I took jazz arranging and like all that stuff. So it's just thinking about how the instruments work together. Like what's my role? Um, like don't overplay. Like what do I do when I take a solo? Oh, okay. Like. You know, it's not like I'm playing over, you know, giant steps in this like um, <laughs> rock song, but okay, I, I know how to use my pentatonic scales at this point, my yeah. blues scales, yeah. and like that's all you kind of need for a rock solo sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and that was like jazz 101, like is, you know, applying those different concepts into, you know, playing rock. But all the gigs that you did in LA when you first got here, there were like the orchestra, the, mm-hmm. the the chorale, the opera gigs, the mm-hmm. sessions. And yeah. Most of those were just like top level classical players. Yeah, yeah. But were, were you just one of a, a few people that had these other skills, other perspectives? I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of them are just like on a rotating circuit of playing all the you know local symphonies here in town. So then that helped you be more, uh, what's the word? Uh, I mean, you were uniquely qualified. It, it yes. helped you to get these other gigs. Totally. Right? Definitely helped me get those yeah. other gigs. Like, if I had not taken all that jazz training and lessons and whatnot, like, I would not have been prepared to, you know, be, to easily slip into, like, a string quartet like that. But also, like, I listened to so much classic rock growing up. And that, like, that is ingrained in my blood. Like, mm-hmm. For probably from like age 12 like you know i was like huge into like the grunge era and so like smashing pumpkins was my favorite band and pearl jam and, and you know i started getting into the grateful dead at that point too but then also like i only listened to the classic rock station growing up and so i knew all these songs mm-hmm. so walking into like a, a setting where it's like you know you have to play like 25 or six to four, like, okay, I've heard that song a million times. <laughs> and, you know, there's uh, some other girls in the group, they're like, I've never heard this in my life. I'm like, are you, are you kidding? Like, you don't know <laughs> this Elton John song? Like, <laughs> uh, who, what, where do you come from? But I guess I, you know, it's, there's unique things where it's like, I didn't even know it at the time, but I'm like that, all my mu- listening when I was younger helped me like really internalize, you know, everything I do now. Hmm. Well, um, I think, and you know, for me, like, I feel like a lot of classical musicians listen to many types of music, but there's still a step where you have to figure out how to take that part of your brain and mm-hmm. apply it to your instrument. Because if, we, true. Cause if we've only played classical music on our instrument, it's mm-hmm. like we can hear all this other music, but it's almost like a separate part of us. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing that you spent a lot of time figuring out how to join those parts of totally. yourself. Totally. So like that, transcribing yeah. stuff, transcribing solos okay. that I like. Really? So that's yeah. like, that was the next step. Okay. It's like, okay, I like this rock song, but like, um, like I, I transcribed like what um, f- 
this solo like over who sings the song photograph is a deaf leopard scorpions or deaf leopard deaf leopard okay that's why (laughs) so i was like i need to learn this like deaf leopard solo so like transcribe like photograph like okay who does that on like viola like like, yeah um but you know picking out little things where it's like that makes me really excited to wake up and touch my instrument today that's cool because i like really want to learn that solo and i feel like a cooler person because i know the solos in my life um so so having these skills maybe gave you more confidence to be in a position where when you were going after these gigs, you were like, I can do this. Oh, like, definitely. And then raise your hand and then getting one gig like in the string quartet put mm-hmm. you in a position where you met somebody who could make it possible for you to audition for Shania. Then you, yep. you felt the confidence to go yeah. for that. And- yeah. So, yeah, I got the Shania gig because there were some videos found online um, with the, the string quartet and... Um, they asked us to all come in individually and audition and um, yeah, got the gig from that. Um, that lasted two and a half years in Vegas as a Vegas residency. Um, and then the Zucro gig, I had like a year off from Shania and the Zucro gig came. If I had not had the Shania twin gig, I would have not gotten the Zucro gig. Everything kind of builds on each other. So mm. everyone in the Zucro band are just like, heavy hitters like everyone's played with tons of people and i was probably one of the lower ones on the totem pole as far as like touring experience high level band experience um but having played with shania gave me cred so that was like that was a big deal and i got the sucro gig from a neighbor wow um i would walk my dog along with um outside and see my neighbor um, Jean-Louis, and he works in Zucro's management company. And uh, there just so happened that there was, um, they were looking for a violinist and who could also play viola, hmm. who could play um, rock, but also proficient at classical. And so how many people could even do that? I know. So it was kind in, of like, in Los Angeles, this job is for me. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't play viola. So I mean, you know, I mean, I couldn't have got the game. Well, that's, you know, so that what tells me is location. Uh-huh. You were in Los Angeles. Yep, location. You know, sure. but also the skill set. Mm-hmm. Like you had developed these skills. Yeah. Like different skills, yeah. like, which make you, you know, uniquely suitable for these certain things. Mm-hmm. Being a multi-instrumentalist, being able to play different styles. I um, bought my first violin when I joined Shania Twain's band. Wow. I was hired as a violist and then the MD was like, can you play fiddle? And I was like, of course. And so I, after that conversation, I went straight to the violin shop and bought myself a violin. Started taking bluegrass lessons from a guy in town, went to bluegrass jams around Los Angeles, fell on my ass, but I was like, this needs to happen. I need to learn how to- so awesome, I love this. I I need to learn, okay, I said, yes. All right, now I can't walk in there and pretend, like I actually legit need to know the intricacies of like, how do you play fiddle styles? Like, I don't need to be like a master at it yet, but I need to know like, when should I play double stops? Like, I'm just, I come from a jazz. But you also respected it enough to know oh it takes a lot of work yeah 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 which i think a lot of classical players maybe are tempted to just be like oh that's easy i can do that but yeah. you didn't look at it that way you oh. looked at it like wow i really need to sound like I, a legit fiddle player yep. and that's going to be hard and i need to study yep and, and i love that you just said yes i could do it <laughs> and then you were like you went and figured it out <laughs> oh my god yeah bought, bought a violin, violin like the next day Incredible. like fifteen hundred dollars okay here we go we're, we're we're going for it it's so incredible uh-huh. to me i mean so saying yes 
being in the right place, uh -huh. you know, using your people skills, you know, developing new skills, like uh -huh. whatever is required, whatever. you know, and kind of respecting that, uh -huh. like, you need to develop new skills for things, like totally. having enough respect for the discipline, yeah. right? Totally. Like you develop Rylan all Aaron, these man. skills and invested in all these mm -hmm. different tools, which to me, that's what I hear in your story. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not to be putting words in your mouth, but I'm trying to, yeah, definitely. like I'm trying to, Thank to, you. to be, <laughs> a, a, I mean, I think it's like a lesson for people that are listening. Cause I think a lot of, again, like a lot of classical players might be like, I want to do these things, but what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you need to you need to start getting new skills. Think mm -hmm. about all these different skills. Like, do you know how to record yourself? Like, how yeah. do, you, do you make videos? Have you tried amplifying, you know, your instrument? Have you um, considered getting some professional development? Like, mm -hmm. like you know, come to the Creative Strings Workshop. You totally. Know? You know? <laughs> I've gotten yeah. so much out of your workshop. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And, and even just meeting people there. Right. I mean, it's such like a hub for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. These are great stories to me it's it's so instructive i hope people are getting this message like if, if you're thinking about going to los angeles if you're thinking about going to new york or a big city anywhere or if you're thinking about making a career switch or just adding new skills or trying to take on new things in your existing career mm -hmm. or adding to your teaching studio like there's so many lessons in in andrea's story i feel like mm -hmm. um i got i want to ask you about your some of your other passions mm -hmm. and like your the brand that you have now, which mm -hmm. is the the Boho Bunny. Yes, Boho Bunny. And because we haven't talked about it too much, but I mean, I know that for like a long time, you've mm -hmm. had like passions for like, well, yoga, but also mm -hmm. like artwork, fine mm -hmm. art. I don't even know how to describe it, but like you paint and mm -hmm. things like that. And then also fashion, like you make clothes mm -hmm. and you're you model and you you do a lot with photography and sort mm -hmm. of influencer stuff on, on Instagram. Totally. And, and are these passions and these really arts and crap? I mean, these are other skills that you've nurtured like for a long time in your life. Yes. Being, being an artist yep. and like doing photography. Oh, yeah. I always thought I was going to be a visual artist before I ever picked up an instrument. So that, it, I, honestly, I've always felt that visual arts comes more naturally to me than mm. music. Wow. So I don't know if that, if because of that, I've chased this music thing harder. Mm. Because I can literally pick up and do a painting, like just not even thinking about it. It takes like, it's come so natural to me. Yeah. And I think maybe I just wanted the challenge. And I was like, yeah. well, I'm not as good at music as I am at visual arts. And right. so I just have to go for that. I love 
the drawings that you share on social media, where, where can people like see your drawings? So they go to Instagram or Facebook. What's your? They can handle? go. Um, yeah. Instagram is the easiest because then it has links to my website and everything. Um, it's at Boho Bunny, B-O-H-O-B-U-N-N-I-E. Um, it's short for, for Bohemian Bunny. Um, so Boho Bunny. And then you can find my website and art and everything from there. Yeah, and because you've got a blog at, mm-hmm. is it bohobunny.com? Yep. And, and if so you the, misspell it, you'll still come across it. Okay. I've got all of your yeah. main names. <laughs> so I really want to encourage people to go check out. You got to check out Andrea's artwork and the photography, and um, which where you're modeling a mm-hmm. lot of different um, fashion designers, basically. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I have I work with a lot of companies. Um, it's slowed down a little bit in recently, just because I, my touring schedule has been pretty grueling and. What's cool though is that I have taken my photographer overseas three times. We did a wow. massive shoot in Greece and Italy. We did a big shoot in Austria and uh, Germany, and then we did a big shoot, another big shoot in Italy. So three separate times, I've flown my photographer overseas. I've had sponsored clothing sent to me and paid to shoot the clothing, um, and then obviously get to keep everything, which is fun. Um, so especially if you love clothes, right? Oh yeah, do you I've love all- clothes? Okay. Are you kidding me? I'm like okay. loved clothes since I like was like two years old. Um, and so when you tour, this is like a part of like how you bring all your the, the, the things that you love together because mm-hmm. you do these shoots. Do the shoots on location in all of the countries that I love, and you know, just I it's a different creative outlet which I really enjoy. It's like curating a photo shoot. I'm showing people what I do. That's exactly what I'm doing with my life. I'm traveling the world. I'm playing music and I'm wearing cool clothes. Like it's, <laughs> it's not, it's nothing fake about it. That's right. just, it's what I love doing. And I love yeah. getting creative and styling. And, um, but I also know that like when you were in Italy or Greece, mm-hmm. I can't remember, or a lot of places, I think sometimes you'll do these, um, drawings and yes. you share the drawings. I do have a travel book. sketchbook, a travel sketchbook. Yeah. So I, Every major city that I go to that I have like a little bit of time to spare, I need like about three hours to get set up in a spot and like do the painting and, you know, take some photos of it afterwards. So um, every big city that I started in, first one was in Joshua Tree, but that was like a little trip. We did a U.S. tour, did some in Seattle, then New Orleans. Um, Then, you know, I did the Roman Coliseum at night. Like it was just so dark and like so dimly lit and I wasn't even sure what colors I was using um turned out to be one of my favorite ones I went to um the Rialto Bridge in Venice Italy I woke up at 4 30 in the morning to go stand on the bridge at 5 a.m so I had between 5 a.m to 8 a.m to finish this painting before all the tourists like bombarded the bridge um and I sat there and painted the Venice Canal um let's see I painted Santorini oh the coolest one was in Rio under Christ the Redeemer I I sat like I was at under Christ the Redeemer took you know the whole tram up the thing have you ever been to Rio uh no okay amazing you have to go to Christ the Redeemer so you know that's the big statue on top of the mountain so I was sitting under there and like my neck is just craned up because it's like the hardest perspective to do and I'm like trying to do this painting quickly and it's so hot and like the sun's beating down and um that as I'm doing the painting, this like children's choir and um, kids playing traditional Brazilian instruments, like come right in front of the Christ the Redeemer and just start singing in Portuguese, all these like 
gorgeous like Brazilian tunes and I'm just wow. like painting under Christ the Redeemer. I'm like, you can't, it can't get any better than this. <laughs> and what's so cool about doing the paintings in all the cities is like, I'm there for an extended period of time. And I remember when I look at each painting, all everything I was thinking about at that moment when I was doing the painting. And wow. it brings back so many more memories than a photograph. Cause I know like while you're, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about what I'm doing in that country. Like what's my show like the next day, you know, cause I'm doing all these paintings while I'm on tour traveling as a musician. So um, they're really, really special to me. And I have prints of those made of each painting made almost each painting eventually like when i fill up the whole book i'll have like the whole book yeah. like ready to available for purchase but um yeah those are it it it's really special to me that book um that's neat well one of the things that i take from this too is that like when you're on tour mm -hmm. you're always working still like you're working on these shoots you're doing painting Mm -hmm. You're probably practicing and learning new music or developing yep. new skills for like yep. another gig that's another opportunity totally. that you might have or to. Or like new songs, like Zucro throws us new songs all the time. Yeah. And so like after sound check, I'm on stage practicing something or like I'm learning new pedal steel stuff on stage. Like, I oh, this is a good thing also. If anyone does not have an iRig, I highly suggest getting an iRig. Hmm. Practice silently anywhere. Uh. You can practice along with any music you want. You know, if you have your electric violin, like your Yamaha electric right. violin yeah. that everyone's using, right. um, plug it into your iRig right. and you can have headphones and you can transcribe stuff, play yeah. along with things. Right. Everything goes, you can run your whole effects board through the iRig, yeah. practice using effects into yeah. your iPad. That's all I do. Wow. So I can practice silently anywhere, a pedal steel, violin, anything, um, which is super key, especially like if you're on stage in a big arena, um, you can't just like be making noise all the time where they're checking like the video screen or they're checking the lights, you know, doors are opening soon. Like you don't want to bother people with like you just practicing your random licks on pedal steel or violin. Um, <laughs> but that's sometimes it's the only place to practice because you can't take your instrument home every night in the hotel room. Right. So finding ways to like continually work at becoming a better musician. Were there any, um, like when you've been on the road with, Shania and or Zuccaro, some of these really huge epic gigs that mm -hmm. you've done. Um, I mean, traveling all over the world. Are there any like key memorable stories that you like to tell? I don't know about something that was like really oh. hard or something that was really amazing. Or well, you already told us a great one about being in Rio. That, that oh, yeah. sounds amazing. Was there any like really, really challenging things about being on the road? There's just like Almost yeah like i wonder if there's i mean being a female instrumentalist mm. is interesting there's always a boys club mm. and i get along with a lot of people um with everyone and but you know every once in a while you run into a thing where like it's like oh like you're not gonna let me take a solo over that song okay cool you know oh. every once in a while i hit that and you know i just take a step back and like okay you know oh you, you, i see it's fine it's it doesn't happen all the time but there are and with shania you know there were like little pockets of hangs where it's like oh yeah that's like that boys club over there this mm. i mean people are for the most part very inclusive but y you run into that as being a female gotcha. on the road yeah because okay. um, there's it's mostly dudes touring got you wow um okay, yeah. and if if women are touring they're mostly vocalists ah right so you feel like you're um what's the word like you're um 
underestimated a lot of the time sometimes or, or yeah diminished mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah um you know but it and are there any strategies that you use to to deal with that or or you just, just you try to like just just be open and like don't take anything like personal you okay. know um, so you've got thick skin in a way yeah okay. you do have to have thick skin okay yes okay yeah so that's that's a big thing about being on the road it's, i think especially as a female you have mm. to yeah be able to yeah well and also we're talking about how you have thick skin but it but it also sounds to me or maybe i'm interpreting mm-hmm. that like you're really prepared like you've really you really put in the work to make mm-hmm. sure that you are you're always covered like you know how to do this you know how to do this you know yeah. how to work this technology you learned this skill you learned that skill yeah that's one thing i'm kind of taking away from your story it's not just i mean like you have the ability to deliver the things mm-hmm. uh, do you feel like and th- now this might be a I don't know if this question is, but do you feel like ever, do you ever, did you ever feel like you, ha- you had to work harder because you felt that people were going to um, misunderstand you or label you because you're, you're a woman and that you had to f- work even harder to, to show like, I can do this just as well as somebody else or, or not? I don't think so. I just okay. like, I, I need to feel confident. I need to feel overprepared for myself to feel confident, you know, or else I just won't. So it's all about feeling as prepared as you possibly can. And then nothing can phase you. I feel like, like if I am confident that I am nailing all the songs, I'm nailing like all my solos, then I can walk around and be like, Oh really? You want to say that? Okay. I'm doing my job over here. Right. Spectacular. So like <laughs> nothing. Well, that's up. interesting. That So that's just part of kind of like your DNA and how you roll. But I think like a lot of people, um, any, any gender, like, you know, like a lot of people fold, mm. you know, they don't kind of rise to the occasion. It seems to me like everything it's like that story you told about, can you play fiddle music? You were like, yes. And then like you immediately, bought the instrument, took lessons, like started transcribing fiddle. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you just put in the work. Mm-hmm. You, so I, that to me is just a, a big part of, of your story. What I hear is just putting in you, the work. You put you just put in the work, Andrew. It's a lot of work. You really put in the and work. Pedal steel. You know, I like when I started playing pedal steel, it was like four hours a day on just pedal steel. Right. This was just a few years ago. You started doing pedal so about steel, six right? years ago. Six yeah. years ago. Wow. And now like I'm getting called to do only pedal steel gigs. I actually got That's someone. amazing. Yeah. Well, and I, that's crazy because I told my tech on the Zucro tour, I'd only been playing steel for three years and Zucro was like, have Andrea bring her steel out to Europe. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, I was going to bring it anyway, just practice. And so, you know, I had to learn playing in front of 30,000 people how to play pedal steel. You know, and he's like, oh, Andrea, yeah, you play, don't play fiddle on this song. You play pedal steel tonight. You figure it out. And I'm like, okay, 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 got this. <laughs> um, and a lot of like the front of house guy would be like, Andrea, learn how to use your volume pedal. You know, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard. There's all these things with pedal so you steel. Like, how to use, yeah, oh, wow, yeah. You yeah. know, and, I, and he's <laughs> like, you're all over the place. I can't get you sig- dialed in. Like, you know, and so I'm like, okay, okay, note that taken, you know. But you, I wouldn't know that unless someone called me out on it and I'm playing in front of 30,000 people. You know, you're just like, it, you're learning on the job, but like always like working to make it better. In taking criticism and not like feeling bad about it, but being thankful for the criticism, even though at the moment 
you're like, I really practiced it so hard. I thought it sounded so good. But just being like, okay, all right, thank you for that. You know, now I feel like I'm like dog tail between his legs. And, but, you know, I'll become a better player because you said that to me. Thank you. Mm, That's Um, great. Well, um, if people want to find your artwork, your fashion line, your perfume line, your new music, mm-hmm. with Katie and Andrea, um, hear your work, all this stuff, they can go to bohobunny.com. Yes, or, or my it, Instagram, at bohobunny. At bohobunny. Whatever's easiest. And I hope anybody that's listening will shout out, reach out to. Yeah, send me a message on Instagram. I'm, I'm always checking my messages. And your your blog is gorgeous. Thank and there's you. There's like so many beautiful photos and um but i just like from from talking with you i feel like um well part partly i just like want to make a list of all the skills that like you've had to learn because Mm. i think that's part of your story is like okay you're a fine artist Mm -hmm. like you can play classical viola you play pedal steel you can do production Mm -hmm. like you know how to do photography like you're you can use music notation software and you can Mm -hmm. arrange you know how to create harmonies you can improvise you've learned other styles Mm -hmm. like you've learned fiddle style you've learned rock style you've learned um jazz um i feel like i'm just scratching the surface of Mm -hmm. all the skills like you you understand amplification and effects Mm -hmm. um you know you've learned people skills which have been huge. huge you know so like I'm not even listening to them all, but I feel like this is a big part of it. It's <laughs> I just think like, you almost nailed them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've learned a lot of skills and you've always been willing. That wasn't, those things didn't fall in your lap. Like you've Mm-mm. always been willing to like fight for every one of these things and yeah. take it on yourself. And I feel like you're kind of a paragon or like an example and a model of resourcefulness, persistence, mm-hmm. hard work ethic, you know, someone who is eclectic or like a Renaissance person, mm-hmm. you know, Thank you. um, you're entrepreneurial, you're mm-hmm. totally self-made, um, you're a musician of an artist and creative of incredible breadth and depth. You're really multifaceted. Your feet, you've got your feet in like different aspects of industry mm-hmm. from, you know, from the music side and within, even within music, like different sides of music, mm-hmm. but then also you're like an influencer on social media, a model of, you know, doing all these other things, doing art, doing fashion. And so I just, I think it's super inspiring and I just Thank want to you. acknowledge you for, for Thank everything you. you've been doing. Thanks. Sometimes it's a little overwhelming, but I appreciate that. You know, it's it's nice to be reminded of that. Everyone, like, okay, yes, the hustle is is paying off. It's worth it. If you enjoyed this episode with Andrea Witt, please share it with some friends and look up Andrea online. You can find her at bohobunny.com. You can also find her new original music under the name Katie and Andrea.
I want to thank our enduring sponsors, Electric Violin Shop and Yamaha. And again, if you have questions about electric string instruments, just call Electric Violin Shop. You can find their phone number at their website, electricviolinshop.com. If you'd like to find free resources from Yamaha related to music education, definitely check out the Yamaha Music Educators Community Facebook group or download their quarterly free magazine just by Googling Yamaha Support Ed. Once again, Creative Strings is a nonprofit organization with a mission to support music education. We do that through curriculum like this podcast and through a lot of other online curriculum. If you go to um, christianhouse.com, you can find a lot of our blog articles. And as always, I really want to encourage you to look at our schedule of upcoming Creative Strings workshops. These are meetups where creative string players from around the world come together to learn, to get inspired, to connect, to network. We're all about empowering you, whether you're teaching, playing, writing music, we want to empower you to be more creative in your musical development and in your career development. So if you go to christianhouse.com forward slash education, you can learn about our outreach in schools, our workshops and meetups, and get more of our curriculum. You can always feel free to reach out to me directly if you have questions or suggestions or requests at chris at christianhouse.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next time.